This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by my friend James Bean and SeedsHereNow.com. SeedsHereNow.com is the number one source for high-quality seeds with a money-back guarantee and lightning-fast shipping. With monthly sales, James Bean's pocket full of freebies, and easy credit card payments, you cannot beat SeedsHereNow.com. To catch the latest drops from your favorite breeders, check out SeedsHereNow.com today. Welcome to the show, Podcast World. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 751 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to focus on a couple of grow questions. Before I get to that part of the show, let's do a few shout outs to a few of the great folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my buddy Stoner Dave. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Sam Heads. I want to send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to B Bala and Doc Grows. Let's send a big Canadian thank you shout out to my buddy Caribou Heart TV. Let's send a thank you shout out to a longtime supporter, Glenn Jeroni. Let's send a thank you shout out to Frogman and Kip. Let's send a thank you shout out to Brian P and Double D. Let's send a big thank you to my good friend Trollin. And then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Elders Garden. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know I do include a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends to support the show. Speaking of supporting the show, I want to start by saying thank you to everybody who sent me feedback and constructive criticism on the last episode. I previously asked about uh, what do you like and dislike about the show? Would you like to see more solo shows? Would you like to see more guests? I got a lot of great feedback, a lot of great responses. Thank you. I do appreciate that. It really helps me to make a quality show that you enjoy if I know what you enjoy. The number one response and request that I did get from that feedback was longer podcasts. I would love to give you longer podcasts, but just being me sitting here rambling at a camera with a few notes in front of me, it feels really weird going for longer than 25, 35 minutes. Uh, it's hard to talk to yourself for that long without somebody at least nodding at you and replying. I've got this camera looking at me, uh, but it, it gets weird after about 30 minutes or so. I feel like I'm just talking at the wall because I'm just talking to a camera lens. It doesn't give me any feedback, which is hard to do. So I've gotten good at it. The Instagram lives definitely help. On the Instagram, I do get the comments and some feedback in there, but that does help me get going here. there's I'm just talking at the wall, so it's hard to... Uh, carry on a 30 minute conversation by myself. Then also uh, my voice will burn out. There's nobody, I don't get a time to like let my throat cool down. My voice, uh, cool, my moisten, I guess, are the things, it doesn't get any rest while the other person talks because it's just me talking. So it's hard to do more than 30 minutes or so. The voice burns out. Then also the ADD burns out. I start thinking about like, well, now I have to edit this long ass show. I got to get the show up to the internet. Also, another thing that you guys probably don't care about is when I do the 
uh, multi-cam shows and they get real long, they take a long time to edit. So that stuff does come to mind when I'm making longer shows, but mainly it's because um, I just can't talk for 30 minutes by myself. The other request was that I do bring Mike on more frequently. People do seem to enjoy having Mike on the podcast, which does, of course, result in longer shows because Mike can talk quite a bit as well. So in the future, you will see some shows with Mike. The uh, The general uh, survey says that they do want Mike on about a third of the shows, maybe a quarter, maybe a fifth of the shows, somewhere in that area, but not every show, but they do want to hear from Mike. So we'll get Mike on. Uh, Mike, this is an official invitation. Get a babysitter. Come be on the show. Let's talk about some cool shit. All right. I feel like I'm rambling. My main point of that start of the show there was thank you, you guys, for the great uh, constructive criticism, the positive feedback steering me in the right direction. I do appreciate that. Uh, Sometimes we all do need a little bit of encouragement. And if I don't ask you what I'm doing right and wrong, you might not tell me, so I'll never figure it out. All right, the next order of business on the list of things to cover is something I'm very excited about. I may have teased or hinted about this previously, but Irie Direct is live. That's right. If you check out my website, iregenetics.com, on the top in the middle row of uh, things you can select, the options is what those are. There is one that says Irie Direct. Guess what that gets you to? That takes you right to Irie Direct, where you can get some Irie Genetics direct from the breeder. That's right. That menu will change often. Uh, Things will be updated frequently. Some things will sell out and not get updated. Some things will be restocked frequently. You've just got to pay attention. Attention. Also, if you were on the Discord, the Discord occasionally will notify you when I do some updates and things like that. There will, of course, be a link to the Discord in the show notes and the video description. So make sure you check out the Discord. You will get a link to the iRedirect page if you need that. Of course, you can find it at iRegenetics.com, but the Discord will give you the updates when there are new drops. Also, a good way to stay updated on the new drops is to join the newsletter. When you go to the website, iRegenetics.com, there is an opportunity to join the newsletter. Simply type in your email address. I will send out a newsletter approximately once a month, maybe every other month. I try not to spam you too much if I don't have a lot to talk about. I'm going to give out coupons very soon for the Irie Direct website. Patreon will get coupons. The Discord will get coupons. The newsletter will get coupon codes. Those are coming out. So do, of course, join the newsletter. Also, of course, join the Patreon. And, of course, do join us on Discord. Where do we go from there? I've got one more very important order of business to cover. I will be at the Dude Grows Cup Saturday, July 30th. Join me. The event starts at 2 p.m. The party ends at 8 p.m. It is just outside of Fort Collins. Uh, I will be there. I So far, I think White Mike will be there. I should have somebody else there with me. Don't want to make any plans or announcements or promises yet until we get a little bit closer, but I think we will have a great team there. Come hang out with us. A lot of cool members of the Irie Army will be showing up. A lot of people are traveling from all over the country, possibly all over the world, to come hang out with us at the Dude Grows Cup. So do please join us. Uh, That is, once again, July 30th. That is a Saturday. The event does start at 2 p.m. It will end around 8 p.m. We do invite you. It is just outside of Fort Collins. For all of the deets, links, details, anything you may need, do check out dudegrows.com. They'll get you tickets. They'll get you laced up. Check it out. This is a cannabis uh, tasting event, a cannabis competition. Everybody that shows up will be given a fresh one hitter. They will be given a lighter, and then they will be allowed to sample all of the entries that have entered the competition. It will be a good time. Also, many of your favorite seed breeders will be there vending. So come say hi. I will have a lot of great things prepared for the Dude Grows 
cup. All right, I have one more very, very important message that we do have to read. This might be the most important message in today's episode. This one came from Patreon, and it goes a lot like this. It says, Ross, Jeff, thanks for addressing my question on the show. Much appreciated. I think I'm going to change my methods for the foreseeable future. But then it says, I appreciate you, bro, in a completely unrelated note. Was it you that I heard about frying a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like a grilled cheese? I had one last night and it was unreal. I'm pretty sure I heard about it from you a while back, but I wasn't sure. If that tip was you, then big ups once again, bro. That definitely was from me. I did talk about in the 7-Eleven episode. Episode number 7-Eleven was all about the munchies. I hope you guys got the joke that I did there, 7-Eleven and the munchies. Um, I did an episode talking about snacks and munchies, and I did mention a fried or maybe a grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You make yourself a normal peanut butter and jelly sandwich, slap butter on the outsides of both pieces of the bread and throw that fucker in a hot pan, grill it like you would a grilled cheese sandwich, and that peanut butter and that jelly make this melty, schmelty, gooey, warm texture flavor in the middle that is just amazing. So big up to our friends here for following the guidance, following the advice experiencing life and enjoying the grilled or the fried peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm glad you found out about that. Thanks for reporting back. Enjoy. Okay, let's focus in a little bit. I did say that I had some grow questions here. I've got a grow question that came from the website, from the grow help tab. This one came from our friend. Oh, it says, keep me anonymous. This one came from our friend anonymous and it goes a lot like this. It says, Rasta Jeff, when you switch to 18.6 at the end of the flowering cycle, do you reduce the intensity of the lights or just let them rip? I'm thinking about their DLI needs. If you, re- if you do reduce the power, okay, I don't, so we don't even need to talk about that. Um, so let's kind of recap what our friend is talking about. I have been preaching a method, a technique of I switch my lights back to 18 hours on and six hours off at the end of a flowering cycle. Many people think that that is absolutely crazy. They think I'm fucking everything up by doing this, but it has proven to be very successful for me. I learned this by doing it to my seeded crop. I learned that my seeds become more healthy. They harden up faster. They're bigger, stronger, faster, more vigorous. I get a better germination rate. I get more successful seeds from a crop by switching my flowering lights to 18 hours on and six hours off toward the end of flower. When I'm doing this with the flowering crop that is not seeded, I generally do this when I begin to flush. The final 10 to 14 days or so is when I will do the 18 hours on and six hours off. One note that I have been stressing that people make sure to follow this uh, word of advice. Please listen to this one. If you're going to do the 18-6, do not do it on the first run with a plant. Learn the plant. See how long that plant takes to finish. Then you know when to change the timer to 18-6 next time. So let the plants finish the first run. Don't do this on a brand new plant. This is not a first date trick. This is a trick for a plant that you've got some experience with. So at the end of flower, during the flush phase, I will turn my lights back on from 12-12 to 18 hours on and six hours off. Now I'm giving them half a day more worth of light, worth of more, more worth of photons, more energy for growth, more, uh, more robust, fat, dense buds is basically what you're going to get, or in my case, bigger, fatter, healthier seeds. So I do just straight turn the light timer on to 18.6, and I do not change the intensity of the lighting at all. I don't want to reduce the intensity. I want to give them more light, longer days, let them grow. Now, people are going to say your plants are going to re-veg. 
it takes much longer for the plants to re-veg than it does for them to beef up and swell in, t in time for the harvest. That's why I talk about don't do this on your first run. If you do this on the second and third run, we know when the harvest will be. You kick it right in time. You cut down before anybody re-veges. You don't cause any problems. So the short answer is no, I do not reduce the amount of light. When I switched 18.6, I keep them banging, I keep them going, and I do it business as usual until the plants are done. Very good question. Thank you for that one. Uh, thanks for letting me know to keep you anonymous. I do appreciate that. All right, I do have another message right here in front of me. This one came from our friend. Do they want their name said? Uh, they know who they are. They go by JH. What up, JH? Good to see you, bro. You send me a lot of questions. I don't read them all on the show, but I do read them all on the screen. I don't reply to every single one of them. Please do keep sending me your great questions. You're a smart person. You got some great ideas, uh, but you should go outside and get away from the computer for just a couple of minutes. Nothing but love, bro. This question goes on. It says, what's up, Rasta Jeff? What is your personal order of importance in your grow operation? Would this change at home versus commercially? Then he kind of touches it up. It says, is there an order in which you enter and exit your grow areas to prevent bringing issues from one area to another, like an order of workflow? Then it follows up with, does your mother room have a special entrance or exit or plan? Are there any special procedures? Then there's some more stuff that we don't really need to cover a lot right now. We can jump right into this. This is a good question. The first part of the question, um, is there an order of importance in your grow? Then it says, would it change at home versus commercially? I can answer that very easily. Yes, in a personal grow versus a commercial grow, the order of operations, the importance of operations change drastically. In a commercial environment, uh, we've got a lot of people going in and out. There's at least three to five, maybe 10, maybe 20 people going in and out of any commercial environment at any time that are regular employees. You've got your uh, lead cultivator, then you got your grow techs, and then you got your uh, your helpers, and then you got your trim crew, your lead trimmer, your harvest manager, um, your compliance manager. There's a bunch of people running through there. Then also sometimes ownership shows up. Like the owners aren't employees. They're not there every day. They don't give a shit about standard operating procedures. Sometimes you could tell the owner, we do it this way. And they go, that's fine. I'm going to go in there. And you're like, but we all put on Tyvek suits and fucking tie up our hair. And the owner goes, I'm going to wear my dress and my high heels in there. And I don't give a fuck what you think. And you go, you own it. You get to do what you got to do. So we get a lot of people coming and going through the grow. Sometimes we have contractors in there. I assume just because that's what I, my brain works. I assume that those contractors came from another grow before they worked in my grow. That's just what my brain thinks. I think everybody that shows up in a commercial facility just came from another commercial facility. That's all that they do. That's all we think about. That's just, that's not real, but that's what my brain thinks. So we got a lot of people coming and going is my point here. Some people I can kind of, and I don't want to say control, but I can control the coming and going of some people. I can control the procedures of some people, the cleanliness, uh, the approach to some people, other people. I cannot ownership. I can't, I am a paid consultant. I can recommend things to the owner, but I cannot tell the owner what to do. I can fire employees. I can hire employees. The owner can fire me. So I can recommend that you don't wear the high heels and the, the skirt into the grow room that you put on the Tyvek suit like the rest of us. But if she wants to look hot, that's what she is going to fucking do today. So the order of importance definitely does change in a personal grow compared to a commercial grow environment. Like I said, we've got so many people coming in a commercial grow. Also, there's so much more at stake in a commercial grow. If my personal grow fails, 
uh, I will survive. I won't make a crop of seeds or I won't make a batch of flowers and Mike won't get to smoke and we won't have as good of a time, but life will go on. Shit will continue. If we ruin a crop at a commercial grow because we let somebody bring in some bugs or I brought in some bugs or there was a mistake, there are millions of dollars at risk there. Um, one crop, one major crop failure in the commercial market right now could destroy a commercial grow. If that commercial grow were to fail, it could also destroy their medically infused product uh, facility, which would be, so the grow is where the flowers are grown, obviously, right? They don't, the flowers aren't sold from there. They are then taken either directly to the dispensary for sale, which is my next avenue, or they are taken to a medically infused products laboratory where they are turned into a concentrate, turned into edibles, turned into a lotion, turned into a, lubric a lubricant. They do all kinds of shit with it, but that medically infused products facility would also go under. If the grow sinks, so do all of these subsequent facilities, which is the medically infused processor and the dispensary attached to it. So one crop could ruin three businesses that all fall under one business entity, which would mean you got probably 15, 20 people at the dispensary or at the grow working, uh, probably maybe five or 10 people, depending on your medically infused, uh, whatever you got going on, you got five, 20 people there. Then at the dispensary, you got probably 20 people working there. There's going to be somewhere between 20 and 100 people that are fired and are out of work because of one crop failure. So things are much more critical. Things are much tighter in a commercial environment. Also, something that um, it matters, it does make a difference. We cannot use the same methods of eradication in a commercial environment. I do my best to stick to Colorado Department of Agriculture and Colorado Marijuana Enforcement Division regulations when it comes to pesticides and fungicides and cleanliness and things like that within my personal grow. But honestly, when people, um, if I were to uh, get a clone from a friend, I'm trying to think of how to say that safely. If I get a clone from somebody, no matter where it came from, I will treat it with a pesticide that is not allowed in a commercial grow because uh, that is my my way of protecting myself. I can treat those incoming plants with a really uh, a strong pesticide that I wouldn't recommend unless it's an incoming plant. That's the only reason I have this pesticide is people say I don't have bugs and people like to say that they don't have diseases, but guess what? Not everybody knows that they got a disease or a bug. So when I get a plant, I treat it with some crazy shit. I've learned my lesson. I got spider mites from somebody, uh, no names to be said here, but somebody sent me a clone that had the most ferocious fucking spider mites I've ever seen. It slowed me down, honestly, for a full year. These spider mites, they would not go away. I needed a solid Colorado winter. I was sucking in cold air from the negative 17 outside, blowing it into the bedroom. The plants look like shit, but eventually the spider mites died. I kept treating for them. Anyway, I don't want to get that problem again. So I treat very heavily when plants come in to prevent problems. You couldn't do what I do in a commercial grow because the products that I'm applying are actually banned. I know that that's, uh, I say that I try to grow from my heart, breed with love and treat these plants with a lot of love, but that is my preventative measure to keep my livelihood, my business afloat. If I let spider mites get in here again and ruin a bunch of plants, then that's, that's a bunch of seeds you guys don't get to grow. That's a bunch of herb that Mike and I don't get to smoke. So I've got to prevent that sort of stuff. Now let's get back to, um, the commercial grows can't use that stuff. I can use that stuff. So that's one of the main differences is the amount of people that come and go and the products which we are allowed to use. Also, I was talking about the funding and the budget. If my crop goes away, that's a couple of lights. It's six plants, not a big deal. Bye-bye. And a commercial grow, 
we've got hundreds, maybe thousands of plants in one area. And if you get a problem over here in this tray, there are fans, there are people walking around. The shit is going to move around very quickly. If one room gets contaminated, if one table gets an infestation of bugs, it's going to move around with the fans. The spider mites climb up to the tops of the plants and they feel the wind and they go, oh, there's a breeze. And they put out a little web and they jump and they have a leap of faith and they draw that, that web with them. And wherever they land, that's where they build the new web to. And they just make that leap of faith and they use the fan to blow themselves around and travel. Also, they use the grow techs and the growers to travel around. They're jumping on your now, if you're wearing scrubs, they jump on your scrubs. If you're wearing a t-shirt, they jump on your t-shirt. They move around the grow with that stuff. So we're spreading them around the grow. If we get one small area infected, infested with bugs, it moves very, very quickly. So my order of operations is not just different, but it's more, uh, very more strict and very more stringent in a commercial environment. One thing I should loop back around in my personal grow, it's personal. Nobody goes there. You're not invited. Get the fuck out. You cannot come there. I don't bring contractors there. I don't bring inspectors there. There are no investors there. I don't even, nobody gets to see that shit. Mike hasn't even seen the grow in weeks and months and Clint hasn't seen it. My girlfriend actually had to ask, can I see a couple of your plants? I had to, she had to like ask for permission to actually get to see the shit. I don't take anybody in there. That's not, uh, that is my space. I share a lot of stuff on the internet. I share a lot of my life on the internet. My podcast is all over the place. I'm on Instagram all the time doing Instagram live shit. I'm on Discord hanging out with my friends. My grow space is my little zen area. That is my space. I don't take people in there. You can't judge me. You can't disrupt me. You can't learn my tricks. You can't steal my secrets. That is my little 10 by 10 area of leave me alone. You can't change the music in there. You can't turn down the fan. Don't touch it. You're not invited. I know it sounds rude, right? It's cool. You're allowed to do that with your space. It's mine. It's yours. You do what you want. I'm going to do what I want. I love it. So that is my grow space. Nobody gets to go in there but me. I definitely don't have any pets down there. No dogs get to go up there. Uh, that is just my grow space. So what I've got to do for preventative is much less when I get uh, when I get home, if I'm going to the grow space, I simply drop the clothes that I'm wearing and from the shoes, the socks, the pants, I leave the same undies if you want to visualize that. Uh, the shirt's got to go. The dreads are usually tied up or untied somehow. If I'm going into the grow, I've got a specific hat, tie the locks up, put them into the specific hat. I wear a couple of outfits that I rotate into the grow. I wash them quite frequently, but I've got specific grow room clothes that I wear in there. So I come from wherever I was, basically strip down, put on the grow room clothes, go into the grow. As I come out, before those go any those I go into any other room, those grow clothes come off and they get stacked into a little bit of a pile. Sometimes they get thrown in the washer if I saw any problems. A lot of times I'll take a shower before I even go into that grow space. Of course, I got fucking six foot long dreadlocks, so it's kind of hard to completely shower before I go into every grow space, but I do my best. Another thing that helps me out is I'm allowed to use different products. So my main standard operating procedures are very different in my personal grow and in commercial grows because the amount of people that are coming and going, uh, the amount of risk that is involved, the options that we've got for mitigating problems. If I see a problem in my grow, I can blast it with whatever I want that I feel ethical doing so. And also keep in mind, people aren't going to smoke 90% of what I grow. Most of what I grow is seeded. So technically I could, I don't, don't get me, don't think I'm doing this, but I could spray it with everything because 
you're not going to smoke it. That's the reason we worry about spraying our plants mostly is because we don't want people smoking contaminated shit. You're not going to smoke it, bro. It's all going to be seeds, which I'm just hypothetically saying I could treat it with all kinds of shit. We can't do that in a commercial grow. So order of importance. Um, it's similar order of importance. Keep the plants healthy, keep them bug free, have an integrated pest management strategy, and then grow from your heart, breed with love. The order of importance is the same, but the uh, the way the operation, the procedures change a little bit because like I said, we've got so many people coming and going at the commercial grows that we've got to do a little bit of stuff differently. Then it says, is there an order in which you enter and exit your grow areas? That's a very good question. Uh, one thing that I do in a commercial environment, um, if I am the boss, which most of the time, not to sound egotistical, I'm the boss. I'm the guy directing the grow team. I like to learn what each grower is good at and what each grower is not good at. Let's just hypothetically talk about my friends, Elijah and Brian. Elijah is five foot something. Brian is six foot something. Why would I have Brian do the shit on the bottom and Elijah do the shit on the top? I've learned that Brian can do the tall stuff. Elijah can do the, the lower stuff. So it's my job as the kind of the boss, the director of cultivation, the guy in charge of the crew. I find who is good at what. That's one of the things I really like to do. I know that Cletus likes to be outside a lot. So if there's a job that goes outside, Cletus gets that job immediately. I know that some of the growers, they want to be inside all the time. So if there's a job that goes outside, don't make him do it. It'll get done half-ass. That's something that I try to learn. Now, something that I keep in mind when I'm assigning tasks for the start of the day is I put a person in a room and I try to leave. We were doing Elijah and Brian and Cletus. If I've got rooms A, B, and C, I will try to put Brian in room A all day so that he doesn't have to come out of room A and fuck up room B. He doesn't bring the problems from room A to room B. That is something that I would do. Elijah would get room C. Cletus would get room however I did it. We'd give the guys an individual room or the ladies too. We've got plenty of ladies in the grow. I just say guys all the time because it's just what I fucking say, dude. Um, so we let the guys and gals uh, have individual rooms or I'll put three or four guys or gals in one room and just make them stick in that room so they're not moving the problems around. That's one way that I really focus on it. Then you asked about an order of workflow. In my personal grow, I tend to check on the clones first and most often because they're kind of, they're critical. They are in triage. They're in ICU. The clones are not alive. They need a lot of attention. If that dome gets bumped a little bit and the humidity comes out, we're fucked. All your clones are going to die. So I check those as often as possible, kind of OCD as frequently as I can. Then the smaller plants are probably going to dry up the soonest. So I check those next. Then uh, I'm in the veg area, so now I will check the bigger veg plants. I'll check those next. Then, of course, the mother plants are in there. I would check the mother plants next. I got the clones, the veg, the moms, all in one area. So I make sure that those are cool. Uh, then we would check the flowering space after that. But I basically start from the, the starters all the way up to the enders because my thought process is I need healthy starts. If they're already uh, infested, infected, contaminated at the end, they're almost done. I can't save them. I just got to get them. I got to ride them out but I need healthy shit for my next run. Always. I need healthy moms, healthy clones, healthy veg, or I cannot have a strong flower. So I focus mostly my order of operations, honestly, uh, in the commercial grow and the home grow. I focus on the littles and I work my way up um, all the way to the end of the day is we're checking on burping the jars and harvesting. And that's a whole nother fucking conversation. Then it says, does your mother room have a specialty entrance or exit plan? Um, without revealing too much info, 
The home grow is a home grow. It's got a bedroom door on it, bro. Uh, it's got a lock and a key and a uh, bedroom fucking door. No special grow. The windows are covered so nothing can get in and out. I put uh, the it's two great words together, one of my favorite products. I use Gorilla Cock to seal all the cracks and then put tape over that as well. So nothing's getting in and out of there unless it goes under the door or through the air ducts, which I have created. I use the air underneath the door for passive air intake. Let me read more of this question because I got rambling really well. I'm not even sure that I've answered the question, but I've talked a lot. So you guys ask for longer shows. You'll fucking get it today. Uh, personal order of importance in your grow. I go personal order of importance. Um, I don't know if I did my flow chart, but order of importance is like clean, healthy plants. Um, does all the gear work? One of the first things I do when I walk into a commercial grow is I make sure that everything is working. Um, we haven't been there for 12 hours. Did anything break? I teach the new people. I always say, all right, now we got to go find out what went wrong last night. And they're like, what? I'm like, oh, something broke last night. A timer died. A pump failed. Something fucking shorted out. Something somewhere broke last night. We got to go find that. So order of importance, check the gear, check the plants, uh, smallest to largest. Then do, I scout a lot. Um, when I come back from lunch, uh, probably because I'm blazed, I just fucking took fat dabs at lunch. I like to just cruise and look for bugs. Just go cruise a room, send the guys in the rooms, just go, guys and girls, just go scout for bugs right after lunch. Go see if you see anything. And if, if you do, report back. If not, get back to work business as usual. So order of importance, I talked about doing the small plants up to the biggest plants. Doesn't really change at home uh, in order which I enter or exit the grows. Um, since I, my home grow is basically two small rooms, so nah, there's no... Uh, if there's something in that space, it got in both spaces probably, but I do the veg stuff. Then I do the flower stuff. Then you ask about how I prevent from moving problems in around basically in a commercial grow. The way that I do that is I try to keep people in specific rooms. When we go to lunch, when we go to break, I try to remind the guys to take off their, if they're wearing a jacket or a, a hoodie or something. I try to have a special shirt, special shoes and stuff for each grow. Sometimes it's hard to implement certain SOPs at some grows when I'm not fully hundred uh, percent in charge. They will take my advice and my guidance, but they won't always take everything as instruction. Does my mother room have a special entrance and exit? Uh, and the commercial grows. We like to get those things. You can step on the floor mats. It's got pesticides inside of it. You stomp around on it. It will kill all the shit on your shoes. In some places we use booties, uh, just little shoe covers. A lot of places we do use a hairnet and a beard net. Uh, a lot of places we do scrubs. A lot of places, honestly, bro, we walk in and out of everything in our regular fucking clothes. It just depends on which facility and what the owner agrees with. I make suggestions. The owner kind of makes the final move. It does go on. It says, I have a shared mom and veg room. What can I do to help keep my mom plants safe? That is a very good question. Uh, we've been talking about viruses lately. Between, if you go from your veg plants to your mother plants, uh, consider dunking your scissors in bleach and cleaning those scissors before you go cutting on your mother plants. That way, if you do, and if you've got the viroid, it's probably in the mother plant, but if you don't want to move it around, perhaps maybe it would help you. Cleanliness is the key. Um, that's what I would recommend. And I have a shared mom clone veg space as well. I think you'll be just fine with that setup. Then it says, I like starting in the veg mom room, closing everything up and moving on to the flower room. Have you ever worked backwards. Uh, I've done it backwards. I've done it forward. Uh, as long as you're clean and paying attention and not moving problems around, that's what matters. As long as you've got a strategy, a standard operating procedure that works for you, that's the most important part. One of my favorite things of growing cannabis 
is that my way works and it could be totally different than your way and your way is not wrong. As long as at the end of it, we're both sitting here at the table smoking a bowl and we go, I'm satisfied. That's what fucking matters. As long as you're satisfied with the weed you grew, I'm satisfied with the weed that I grew, we didn't do it wrong. The only way you really do it wrong is if the plant died, then you obviously did it wrong. Uh, If you burn some shit down, you did it wrong. If you get somebody sick by using a pesticide improperly, you did it wrong. Um, I'd like to say if you go to jail, you did it wrong, but that might not even been part of the case. That might've just been some fuckery there for you. But uh, if you're smoking weed and you're happy with the way that it came out, you're not doing it wrong. There may be things I do differently. There may be things I wouldn't do or maybe things that I would do in your garden. But as long as you've got an outcome that you're smoking, you're not doing it wrong. There are a thousand ways to skin a cat. There are probably a thousand ways to grow a plant. That's the beauty of it. That's why I love it. That's part of what I love about cannabis. I can do it my way. I've been doing it my way. I've been establishing, developing, and I don't want to say perfecting, but honing my way for several years now to the ability, to the effect, to the level where I feel like I can teach you guys to follow my uh, my standard operating procedure and have great success. But I also encourage you to do it your way. Your grow is not the same as mine. Your lights are not the same as mine. Your plants aren't the same as mine. You may have an astronomical fucking budget. You could buy all those new lights that came out last week that I've been looking at going, when do they come out with this one? And you may not have any budget at all. You may be duct taping fucking old street lamps to the ceiling to make that work. We've all got a different setup. We've all got the same goal. Our goal is to grow the best herb that we can so that whenever we hang out, whenever we don't feel right, whenever we want to feel better, we can smoke the best herb that is available and we can produce it ourselves and not have to rely on anybody else. All right. I think I got rambling pretty good there. I am not sure how long I've been recording. We're going to call this a podcast, everybody. I want to thank you for listening. I had a good time recording this show. I hope you had as good of a time as I do. I look forward to your feedback, your constructive criticism, uh, your positive words of affirmation, or if you want to tell me there's something to correct, I look forward to it. The email address, of course, is at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Send me that feedback. Let me know what you think of the show. Of course, do not forget about the Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash growfromyourheart. Everything else is on the website. Do not forget about Irie Direct. Go to iriegenetics.com. Click on Irie Direct. See what's available today. Some things come and go very quickly. You never know what I might post up there. We do some crazy deals on that site. Stay tuned. I think that is all I've got for you for this episode. You know I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to Ben the Web Guy. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me. 